Welcome to Brocktober. It's Brockolicious. Sorry, Auburn fans. Too soon, too bad. Who cares? That game is history. Like seven straight wins history. Like we have won 10 out of 11 last games history. This week, we have special guests. First, for the first time ever, we will have an opposing view, an opposing Kentucky view, as we welcome Adam Cochran. Next, we're going to have a very friendly view from a fellow dog podcaster, and that's Cassidy Pearson from Any Given Saturday. She joins us. And then it's the usual cast of repeat offenders. Buffalo will melt your face off. The stat freak from dogbone.net, Bert Hodges, he'll melt your brain down. Dogger, well, he just made, he just made with you some money. Dr. Feelgood, also known as Dr. Snetzer, he's coming in with some visual aids so we'll understand the injuries. Now it's on to Survival Saturday in Sanford Stadium. It's UGA versus KY. Jelly. Because as we saw last Saturday, them Wildcats is slippery. It's time for the Mad Dog Show. Coming to you live from the Park Group Studio in the heart of the Bulldog Nation. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria, Megan Monogram, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sashendor, and Grenford Chiropractic. Now, here he is, the Mad Dog. Okay, so I was terrified. You were too. Why? Because we got all these great winning streaks going, but Auburn did too. They had won four straight games in Jordan-Hare Stadium against the number one team in the country. That is an insane stat. Maybe an all-time record. And they must have the best referees money can buy too because they held us the whole game and didn't throw a single flag. Now, Auburn is the worst rival to lose to. Why? Well, probably like you, I don't have any friends that are Florida fans, and the same goes for South Carolina and Tennessee, but I have a lot of friends who went to Auburn, a lot. And to say that I would be targeted in the event of a loss is a bit of an understatement. My phone would ring so hot that it would split open and melt. And when it looked like Dejan had fumbled the ball as we watched the play live, I broke out in a cold sweat and I got queasy, real queasy. And I hate the word queasy. It's kind of like the word moist. Nobody likes the word moist or queasy. And I was with my family on my best behavior because my son's girlfriend was watching the game with us, with me for the first time in my presence watching the game. And she had been warned to expect anything, to expect everything. She deserved to see the real me, to see if their love is really real. So there I was holding my breath 
like the entire dog nation, praying that the replay gods would smile down upon us, that Larry Munson himself was doctoring the video in our favor because we all knew the refs sure as hell weren't going to do us any favors. Did they call Auburn for holding again? Did they call him even one time? Of course they didn't. It was ludicrous. And then heaven's gates opened and the right call was easily made. And my phone did get hot. Dogs that were in despair and desperation had hope again. For you see, time was changing. Twas the eve of Brocktober. And the whole world watched a dog who was simply on another level. Unicorn level. He took over the end of that game. Period. No, exclamation point. As we've seen him do it so many times before, but this time it was just mind-numbing. I mean, are we really watching him single-handedly take this game into his own hands as he's making one-handed snags with those hands, running through tackles like a Herschel-esque or Herschel-ish tight end? And on the touchdown, he made Auburn look flat-out silly. And for the record, I'm not getting cocky here. This team is not like the team last year or the year before that. I mean, let's kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. Although we'd like to kid ourselves, let's not kid ourselves. We're not going to win any beauty contests, at least not yet anyway. But slowly we're getting healthier. And the healthier we get, the more experience we get, and the more confidence we're going to get. And we keep winning moment by moment, just like Kirby preaches. And in a year without any dominant team, give me Kirby Smart against the field every single time. Dr. Feelgood is back. What's up, Dr. Stetzer? Hey, my man. How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. I hear that you are bringing all sorts of things to educate us with, maybe even a skeleton. I do. I, ha- I happen to have one of those right here with me of a uh, of a foot. Talk about one of our uh, guys who's had uh, a recent procedure, it sounds like. So what he's talking about is Tyrion Ingram Dawkins, who's a D lineman. He's like 6'5", 280. Been out basically the whole year. Had surgery mid-September. Hoping he can be back in November. Take it away. Yeah. So, uh, from what it sounds like, it sounds like he has a or had a stress fracture of his uh, navicular bone or the, one of these bones in the middle of the foot. So, what I have is a skeleton. I'm trying to get a better view here, but the navicular bone is this bone right here towards the top, just below the ankle, between uh, really the, the ankle itself and then the toes. Okay. Um, it's one of the bones that allows for some motion. Multiple different joints in there. Uh, and it's a high stress bone uh, in our foot. So you got to think of these guys that are a lot of pushing off, a lot of jumping up and down. Uh, that bone can just take a lot of stress. And, and exactly what he had was a stress, what sounds like a stress fracture of that, of that bone there. Uh, the, you know, the concern is that's an area that doesn't get a lot of blood flow. And so it can, in theory, be fairly slow to heal. Um, of course it is. Yep. So it sounds like that's what he was saying. A lot of these can be treated non-operatively. You can put them in a boot, keep them off of it, give them six weeks, hopefully the pain's gone and they've healed and they can go back. Sounds like his didn't, or maybe it even turned into a, a complete fracture. And so then they have to go in and put a screw across it to stabilize it and allow the bone to heal that way. Uh, you're looking at probably a minimum of six weeks out. 
Um, and then, you know, getting back in condition along with pain uh, is relief. But, you know, a fairly um, probably more common injury. You see it a lot. I think you see it a lot in the basketball players. Um, you hear them have stress fractures in their foot. That's one of them. The other stress fractures want to kind of hear on the outside and the little bone of the foot. Uh, but those are two common areas to see uh, in athletes. So if they correct it with a screw, they leave the screw in there? Typically the screw will stay in, yep. Okay. It's crazy that a bone that small can derail an entire season. Yeah, I mean, you see, you're looking at this bone. It may be, what, about, about three centimeters across from here to, to right about let's see, between my fingers right there. Yeah. That's it. So, uh, small bone in the foot, one of the tarsal bones in the foot, uh, but very important to our motion, all our stress. When the walk goes there, your foot kind of flattens out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that allows for all that motion in our foot. He's kind of been buried in the injury report for so long that everybody's just forgotten about him, but you kind of think about him when you think, okay, we don't have the space eaters that we've had in the past, the Jalen's, Devontae's, you know, Jordan, Trayvon, and we need him. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to need him here in the long run. I think, you know, it sounds like his surgery was, you know, what, early, mid-September. Mm-hmm. August, yeah, in August, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. but um, the yeah. Earlier the better. Yeah, earlier the better. Minimum of six weeks out on that, I think. Um, and then uh, we'll go from there. Hopefully we can get him back out of the field uh, when we get towards the end of the year. Um, obviously not going to have him back this week. Good thing is we got McConkey back last week. Okay, Bullard played. Uh, both still a little banged up, going through practice a little bit this week, but uh, – I certainly expect to see them out there without any changes, uh, hopefully on Saturday. Yes, we we got to see Bullard running full speed, running the quarterback down, and, and I didn't see – like it didn't look to me like he was limited. Obviously, McConkey was limited by just the amount of plays he was in there, which he did great. Would mm-hmm. you think that with McConkey at least, it would be one where, you know, he plays a little bit more and a little bit more, and they're, they're kind of trying to ease him back in? Yeah, it sounds that way. You know, I, I think uh, in his press conference the other day, Coach Smart had talked about him. You know, the primary concern of him is really just conditioning again, get get back in game shape, back in playing shape. And so, that limited reps. You know, the one thing happens if you're, you know, if you're out there tired, you're more prone to injury. So, uh, you know, having to take, you know, th- these guys are very very highly conditioned athletes. Taking just you know a couple of days off makes a difference. So, you know, he was off for a couple of weeks. Um, so it's just going to take some time to kind of build that back up. So. Kendall Milton was out there for a few snaps in a knee brace. It was almost – he never ran the ball. It was almost like they had him out there to give yeah. other guys a breather. And I think he's had an MCL sprain, kind of like Dejan had earlier in the year. I mean, is that something where, you know, he's probably not going to be full strength this week, is he? I mean, obviously, if he's back in there, they, th- they expect him to be – pretty close, right? They're not going to put him out there if he's at any risk of, of re-injuring that. So, you know, I think he'd be pretty close. I think we can see him get some more snaps this week, maybe get the ball in his hand and, uh, you know, start uh, putting a little pressure on some of these defenses running the ball. And it doesn't seem like um, Andrew Paul has really bounced all the way back from his ACL. Otherwise, we would have seen him more given the attrition in the backfield. Yeah. Is – um. Is that something where you, you think it's just going to be one of those things where he just is – it's just going to be a slow road back? Yeah, I mean, you know, the ACLs, you know, a lot of people – you know, historically those were a minimum of a year, right? And right. In the last couple of years we've got these accelerated protocols. People come back faster and faster. Um, you know, but just because one person's coming back in, you know, six to eight months, that I mean the next one's coming back that time. Everybody's hailing at a different rate. There's just – you know, it just takes time, you know, if there are any complications. 
uh, in his recovery. So and there's a lot of the things that we don't know. Uh, you know, I still think you're, you're looking at full recovery. Even these people that are back playing earlier, they're probably still not, they're probably still saying they're not a hundred percent until at least a year out. Yeah. And I mean, just getting confidence in the knee after such a catastrophic injury. I mean, you, you got to get out there and you're the one taking all the abuse. So it, it's gotta, it's gotta take a little time. Um, then shifting to our least favorite injury, the high yeah. spring right. <laughs> it plagues yeah. us and tortures us. So, Amarius Mims had the tightrope procedure, which now I feel like I could write a term paper on. At this point, are we thinking November for him too? You know, I think that would be a good expectation. It may be a little bit quicker than that. You know, this is a fairly new procedure. I think we're still trying to feel our way through when these guys get better. I mean, still, it it was a sprain, right? And so we were looking at these things. I mean, we went through the same thing last year with AD. I mean, just kept on going and going. Um, so, you know, hopefully this is one that can back, back a little quicker. I think November is certainly, uh, you know, what, what he's – I think he would expect to be able to play by November. But, you know, just want to see him get out there and test it and just, just see where it is. Okay. In your medical opinion, could a concussion also be termed as an illness? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear you, you know. Sounds like some more Belichick games to me. It is, but but is a concussion? Is it technically an illness? I mean, I guess if we had to get technical, looking at the words, looking at the Webster's dictionary, probably, in my opinion, would be considered an injury, not an illness. Yeah. So I guess um, everybody can listen to this and connect dots and read between the lines as to the question that I'm asking the good doctor. Think about our injury report the last month several illnesses out there which if that's what's going on i got no problem with it hey you know what you don't have to don't have to declare what it is exactly exactly play play the belichick it's not the nfl i mean you know belichick plays the games there but the nfl has a much stricter uh policy on declaring injuries well Eden kirby is in the belichick tree isn't he he uh just saving, yeah, Belichick, yeah, and I know, I know they spent time up there with, with at New England. Um, when but, he was but, with Saban. even since then, I think he spent spent some time up there. But Saban at one point coached under Belichick, right? I think, I, you know, I can't be for certain. I, certain, I mean, maybe something at like Michigan State. There was, uh, did he? I, I, I don't know the answer to that for certain. I'm, I'm looking. They definitely have a very similar uh, style of coaching. For sure. That. I am getting to the Belichick tree. You got Parcells in it. Yep. Saban's in it. Saban's, Saban's in it. it. So, so Kirby's in the tree. He falls in there. Kirby's uh, in the tree. Kirby's in there. Yeah. Did you did you see where Saban fell in the tree? It had to be. Oh, uh, see Saban tenure with Belichick, Cleveland Browns, ninety one to ninety four. Cleveland Browns. All right. There you go. So it makes sense. Yes. <laughs> it's all, all we're connecting all the dots now. Yeah, exactly. Now yeah. it's all coming together. Exactly. Well, you got any other injuries I don't know about? I think I think we had a relatively uh, relatively easy not easy game, but a relatively injury free game uh, on Saturday. So uh, hopefully the guys are getting after getting ready. Got a big one Saturday night. Look forward to watching it. 
You going? No, I'm going to be out of town. Kids are uh, on fall break, so we're taking them on vacation. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. You heading out there? Nope. Got a wedding. That's right. Um, so I'm trying to, it feels like there's another injury I wanted to ask you about. It'll come to me once we hang up. There you go. That's, that's about right. All right, my man. Well, let's have a short talk next week. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. Talk soon. So I am super excited to have Cassidy Pearson with us. And here's part of the reason why I'm excited. Part of the reason that I am here doing this podcast is because of her podcast, Any Given Saturday. What's going on, Cassidy? What's up, Mad Dog? How are you? Man, I'm just happy to be here talking to you. You know, like I said, when I heard about your podcast, I was like, that is the coolest concept. That is the coolest name for a podcast. And then that's part of the reason why I ended up here and we're talking. Thank you. And then I run into you at games all over the place, ran into you at LA for the Natty um, for that disaster of getting out of that state. I, knew, I was about to say, I'm glad you got a ride home since I couldn't help you in the pouring rain. <laughs> I think you had help. I think in a, your car had 18 people in it. <laughs> in our small little sedan. Yeah. Oh, man. Those people were from Columbus too, which was crazy. We saw them and then we saw y'all right after. That That's wild. Okay. So speaking of Columbus, you're in Columbus now. You got Georgia Auburn games. You're, you're probably, you know, there's houses divided. You're probably in a city divided. Oh yeah. I think it's about 50, 50 right down the middle. I almost meet more Auburn fans than I do Georgia fans. And I guess there's some Auburn fans in Macon, but not near as many as here. Sure. Sure. And so you went to the game. Uh, what, what was that like? Yeah, uh, Auburn's always a really fun tailgating environment. Um, Auburn fans love their team, no matter how good, how bad they are, and they love that game. I wish it was still in November. It's so weird seeing it early in, this, in the year. You know, the time hasn't changed yet, so it's bright outside even for the 3.30 game. And it was hot. Oh, yeah, very, very hot, and we're yeah. not used to that with, with that game. But uh, the spirits were up for Auburn fans and Georgia fans alike. Um, we were tailgating behind the stadium. So it was really funny because we would hear the crowd noise before we saw the play on TV. <laughs> you know, what's the point of watching it? Because if it was really loud, we obviously knew that Auburn probably got a first down or, or tackled Georgia on the other side of the ball. Uh, but it was it was still fun at the end of the game, actually, when it was fourth and nine, there was a really loud roar. And so everyone in my tailgate, everyone was an Auburn fan except me, was like, oh, yes, we got it. We got the fourth down. And so, of course, I'm here like, oh, and then I see the pit and it was like the best surprise of my life because it was the Georgia fans that were so loud. Oh. In the stadium. So that was pretty cool. That's that's really cool. To kind of, really kind of surreal just to watch a game, you know, with these contrary noises going on and just trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah, yeah, it was hard to keep up with it, but it was a fun experience. So, how long is it going to take? How, how long would it take you to go from Auburn back to Columbus? It's about fifty minutes. Okay, so it's a good little ride. And how much, how often are you able to get back to Athens? I've been to two games this year, thankfully. I went to Ball State and I went to South, well, actually, I was supposed to go to the South Carolina game. I ended up hurting my back, and so I didn't get to go into the game. 
But I'm going this weekend for Kentucky, and I haven't been to a night game since 2021, and before that, since uh, Notre Dame in 2019. So I'm not used to getting the night games. So I'm really excited to be there in Sanford on Saturday. All right, I'm concerned about your back. Now, is this a Lad McConkie-type back injury, or are you at 100%? Are you ready for this night game? <laughs> I'm ready, hopefully. Now, I, I played golf the other day and trying to make sure I'm, I'm all good so it doesn't happen to me again. I was pretty devastated. I, I couldn't even move. Um, all my friends were like, you must be hurting pretty bad if you're not going to the Georgia game today. So. Yeah. So, are you still playing a lot of golf? I am when I can. Uh, I wish I could play. Well, I probably could play all the time, but I just don't. Me and my friends have gotten really into pickleball and tennis lately, so Mm -hmm. I play that more than I play golf, but I still love it and wish I played more than I do. Can you beat your dad? Yes. Ah, yes, it's okay. Tell us. Tell the world. Tell the world. There's definitely days when I'm playing bad and he beats me or vice versa, but we're we're pretty close, but past couple times I have beaten him so do y'all bet do you take some money off of him I think we bet this summer with my brother we were playing a little par three course in Amelia Island and we ended up tying and then we went to a putting contest and now that you mentioned I don't think he ever paid me so (laughs) okay you're gonna have to let him know next time you see I'll be sure to to do that performance (laughs) so okay tell me about just how your podcast got started and and how long you've been doing it. Tell me everything. Yeah. So we, a couple of my friends and I in college, um, we all the time would talk about football. I've always been a big football fan, not just Georgia, but, you know, keeping up with college football as a whole. And when I was a freshman at Georgia, it was 2017. So that of course was the big year, Jake Fromm and, starting all the way going to the national championship game. So a lot of my friends who maybe weren't necessarily as huge football fans became one because of how um, good Georgia was that year. And so anyway, so we'd go to the dining hall in between classes at night, whatever, because that's what you do when you're in college. You got to go to the dining hall and eat. And we would talk about football all the time, every day. And we just one time, one day, one of my friends is a journalism major. And so he was kind of getting used to having to maybe record and practice doing journalism. And he said, let's do a podcast and let's just see what happens. And our parents loved it. We were terrible at it. <laughs> but oh my, so why? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was fun. And for me, like, I just have to get my thoughts out after I watch football. And so it was just good to get, get it out and discuss everything. And we'd sit with like random people at lunch and we'd get in these like huge arguments about football and it was a lot of fun. And so then last year, um, Molly Lee and I started an Instagram page and we called it any given Saturday and we do recordings, podcasts. And then we also just kind of post some interactive things for our followers who are really just all of our friends to kind of pick their games and call the games and stuff like that. So it's not a very official thing, but uh, hopefully in the future we'll kind of get it that way when some of my friends have a little bit more time on their hands. Well, it's official enough for me. If I could figure out Instagram, which scares me, um, <laughs> I, I would try to, to look that up. Uh, Facebook scares me enough. I mostly just press like every now and again, I'll post something that always seems to make opposing fans mad. Um, <laughs> but no, like you said, you just wanted to get your thoughts out. And, and so it's like, 
in some form, it's therapeutic just to, talk, just to talk about it, right? It is. Yeah. I want to talk about it every single time. And especially when you get deeper into the season, you're trying to figure out, you know, who's going to win their divisions, who's going to win the conferences, who's going to make the playoffs. You kind of got to place your bets and kind of argue with your friends about it. So it's a lot of fun. So, so do guys ever get intimidated by your football knowledge? And they're like, man, she, she knows more than me. This is crazy. I don't know if they get intimidated. Um, definitely surprised, I think, especially when I beat someone to an argument, which my guy friends, I, I still to this day will bother them about a couple arguments I won <laughs> in college. Uh, but, yeah, definitely surprised, I would say. And, and probably weeds some of them out. You're like, this guy doesn't – I can't be friends with this guy or this girl. Yeah. They, they, don't, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I think it's kind of weird when guys act like they love football and then they really might only care about one team and they don't actually know what they're talking about. Yeah, and then you ask them, like, how do you feel about Marvin Jones Jr.? And they're like, who? (laughs) Okay, I I know what I want to know. Top three teams. I may have to go outside. I'm going to say first, I'm going to top three teams outside the SEC that you cannot stand. Oh, wow. That's a good question. Uh, definitely Ohio State. Thank you. I cannot stand them, and I definitely cannot stand Ryan Day currently. Nobody, <laughs> I mean, nobody likes this guy. So, definitely Ohio State. If this was a couple years ago, I would have said Clemson, just because they broke my heart a couple times in high school. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I have as much of a hatred for them anymore. I probably would still put them in there, though, for talking non-SEC. And then I mean, maybe Michigan. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't hate that many teams. Yeah. Out of the SEC. A, a lot of times, what what yeah hates. I shouldn't use the word hate. It's such a strong word. Maybe extreme disdain but what drives that emotion for me is the coach oh yeah we're saying about ryan day and i used to like harbaugh i don't know why but now he's been getting on my nerves because of cheating and lying about cheating and then i've never been a fan of notre dame and that drives me to really not like lsu because i can't stand brian kelly because he is so arrogant and condescending. I don't – I love that they're losing now. I hope Missouri beats them. Oh, um, yeah, me too. I don't like Lincoln Riley. Um, I like Dan Lanning. Me too. I'm, I'm happy to see his success. Doing so well. Oh, gosh, I can always think of all the – there's really not many teams. It's just pretty much Ryan Day and Brian Kelly. I totally agree with that. But with with Brian, with Brian Kelly, I dipped back inside the SEC. Um, but you know, I got I got no ill will for Hugh Freeze. I like Lane Kiffin. Um, I got not. I'm fine with Shane Beamer, Heupel, whatever, Napier, whatever. Uh, Drinkowitz seems like a good guy. I can't remember the name of the Vanderbilt coach. Can't remember the name of the Mississippi State coach. Um, <laughs> Saban is the guy you love to hate, but you have to respect what he's done. Um, okay, if who do you predict will be the four teams that get in? 
So at the beginning of the season, I said Georgia, Michigan, Oregon, and Florida State. I'm still 100% on Oregon. I think you're right, and I don't know why everybody's sleeping on them. I don't know either because, first of all, USC, everyone is saying them because of Caleb Williams, of course. I don't have a problem acknowledging Caleb Williams and their offense. He might win the Heisman again, and that's great. Their defense, though, on Saturday, letting Colorado come back. Trash. That's not a championship caliber team to to No, no. And they have a very tough schedule. I can't imagine them getting through Notre Dame, Oregon, Utah, and Washington maybe. Yeah. I do not see USC making it out. Yeah, me either. So I love that call. I love that call. I have Oregon in the Pac-12 for sure. Florida State, uh, I think it'll be hard for them to get through undefeated, but I, I, they'd be my pick for the ACC, so I think – they have a shot at making it in still. Georgia, I think our schedule's easy enough to make it in. And Michigan, I don't know. Penn State's looking really good this year. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's Penn State is my sleeper. Yeah, no, they are a huge sleeper. Yeah, very well. And so I could see uh, a huge Big Ten couple matchups there to the, at the at the end of the year, deciding who wins that, but. Okay, we got to talk about the nightmare scenario. Okay, I love these. Yeah, so let's say let's say let's say Penn State runs the table just for funsies. Let's say Oregon runs the table. Let's say Florida State runs the table. Let's say Texas runs the table, and it's either undefeated us or one loss us. Let's just for the sake of argument. I think if we're undefeated, we're in. But what if it's one loss Georgia conference champion against these four undefeated teams? I mean, I don't feel good. No, I think if they're all undefeated, you have to put them in. But we've never seen that in the college football playoff era. With I don't think more than one undefeated team has ever made it. And so I think that's highly unlikely that that would happen. But, yeah, in that situation, Georgia's out. Yeah, it is. It's highly unlikely, but it's almost like because it's never happened, it's closer to happening just as a law of numbers. Right. I definitely think Texas has the best shot at being undefeated. I think that's pretty obvious with their schedule. But, you know, I mean, what 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 happens if, like, Oregon loses a game but wins the Pac-12 and then Penn State loses a game, wins the Big Ten, and then – Georgia, I mean, at that point, that's when, and even Florida State, North Carolina, somebody like that, same situation. I mean, you're talking about four or five conferences with one-loss teams, maybe a one-loss team that didn't win the conference. And people like my family question me, like, well, why do you want this team to lose or that team to lose? I'm like, I want everybody outside the SEC to lose. (laughs) That does nothing but help us. I want them all to find a way to lose, hopefully more than once. I want them to all cannibalize themselves so that we don't get into that nightmare scenario that we just talked about. Yeah. I think every year we talk about these scenarios and it never seems to happen. But this year it's looking like it, especially with the SEC. I can't imagine two SEC teams being in the conversation for the playoffs. Agree. Agree. 
situation, but I don't think it'll happen, but I'm excited to see who makes it. Okay. So amongst your crew, what is like the biggest topic of debate that you guys just can't agree on right now that you just are going back and forth on anything? Um, is it Bobo? Is it Bobo? Are y'all arguing about Bobo? We're not. Um, good, good. I'm tired of hearing about that. I'm tired of hearing about that. I'm a Bobo supporter. Yeah, I am too. And yes, there's questionable things that I wish would change. But like at the end of the day, it's just like there's so much more to talk about than that. And that's not the reason why we're making mistakes. I love it. I love it. We're we're so on the same page. (laughs) So does anything anything come to mind where like, you're like, okay, I've been, we've been talking about this. I'm going to, I'm going to show this person why I'm right. As far as Georgia goes, um, we kind of have disagreements about is Georgia good or elite versus is Georgia not. And for me personally, I didn't have super duper high expectations going into the year just because there's so many new guys I'm not going to put a ton of pressure on Carson Beck in his first year. And we just won two years in a row. Obviously, I want to win a third year. And I think that we can. But I'm not going to, like, expect that. I think that's just unrealistic. And so a couple of my friends are just – some of them think that we're terrible, and I'm tired of hearing that. And then some people think that we're, like, amazing and, like, just as good as last year. And I don't agree with that. And so I'm just kind of in the middle of like, I'm confident in our team. I think that we can go all the way. But at the same time, I'm not like crazy girl. That's like, Georgia's terrible. We almost lost to Auburn. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I just heard everything. Are, are we elite? To, to me, the answer is we don't know because we haven't played fully healthy, a good team. Right. This week will probably be the closest, even though I, I wouldn't classify based on what I've read that McConkie's a hundred percent. You can't say Milton's a hundred percent. We know Amarius Mims is out. I feel like we're kind of a hundred percent on defense, but at the end of the day, I, I think the reality is you're never going to be able to say you're a hundred percent once the season starts. So this will be the the best indicator so far of whether we're elite or not. But is this a year where nobody's elite? I mean, nobody's dominant. So it's kind of like we got a puncher's chance just like anybody. We just got to get to the dance. I know. And it's like people are like, why is Georgia still ranked number one after they struggled against South Carolina and Auburn? I'm like, who is going to be ranked number one? Everyone in the top 10 is so far either struggled against a good team or not played anybody yet. So we have a lot more to show before we're dropping Georgia down, in my opinion. The the only team I would be fine with them putting in front of us is Texas. Because I thought that was a good win against Alabama. Although, you know, Jalen Milrow doesn't throw those two interceptions and Alabama wins. And they're not sitting back at 11. They're sitting at number one. Right. So it's just such a fine line. Right. Well, we'll know more about Texas after Saturday. So Who do you think is going to win? I mean... I've said Texas, but I feel like that's me just saying that because they've proven to be good by beating Alabama. Uh, I will not be surprised if Oklahoma comes in and wins. I'm sure it'll be a shootout. I, thus the name. 
Yes. Well, the name that it used to be called, I don't know what Oklahoma really has or who they've played. I should, but I don't. I know that what we've seen of Texas looked really good. I know Dylan Gabriel's a good quarterback, but um, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Who do you think is going to win Alabama-Texas A&M? I've been saying A&M. I was very impressed by their performance against Arkansas last week. Arkansas played really well against LSU in the week before, and they completely shut down K.J. Jefferson. And so I was pretty impressed. However, their offense, uh, I don't think, looked as good as the score did. Uh, Of course, they lost Connor Wigman, and so Max Johnson is in there now. He threw a terrible pick. Did he? I didn't see it. Oh, my goodness. Terrible. Like, on their own 10-yard line. So, it was a pick six. Oh. But, like, very bad. Like, the guy was already reading him. So, and then he didn't look great. Like, Arkansas's defense is just terrible. Mm-hmm. So, I don't really think that's a good indicator of Texas A&M and their offense. But I do think that their defense has been very good throughout the year. Of course, you have the Miami game, which is kind of the outlier. Yeah. So, for that reason, I've been saying Texas A&M, but I think them in Alabama, it's kind of in the same boat. Like, they don't really have a great passing game, but then they have pretty good defenses. So, so that's at Texas A&M, and it's a 3.30 kick. I just – I don't – I think Max Johnson could be great. He's 6'6". He's got all the tools. He needs to make sure he doesn't have – the boneheaded play where, you know, he, th- he stares down a DB and throws a pick six. So it's really almost to me, how do the quarterbacks do? Does does Milrow, you know, get flustered and throw those two picks and Max Johnson doesn't? That happens. Texas A&M wins. I'm I gonna- think A&M will have to shut down Jalen Milrow off on his feet and mm-hmm. make sure that he doesn't run because I think that that's their weapon and it has been for Alabama this season. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of torn, but I think since it's at Kyle Field, I'm going with the Aggies. I, I think the 12th man wins it. Me too. Okay. We talked about LSU, Missouri. Who do you have winning that one? I think LSU shows up deflated and sleepy from that 11 a.m. kickoff in Missouri. Those fans are going to be nuts and juiced, and the team's going to be jacked. The psychology, to me, sets up for Missouri to win, and I hope that's what happens. I want Missouri coming into Sanford Stadium undefeated and ranked in the top 10. Oh, I do too. That would be so awesome. Yeah. Well, you, I think, need to stop your current career and – go uh, to ESPN and be a sportscaster there because based on this conversation, you know, more than all the people there that, that I see reading from a teleprompter, you're just, it's coming off the top of your head, man. I love it. I might know more because I sit there in front of the TV Saturday (laughs) from morning to midnight and watching it, but I don't know. I don't know about all that. Well, all I want to know is when do I get to come on any given Saturday? Whenever you want. All right, we're going to talk. We'll, we'll work that out offline. We'll work that out offline. And I'm going to tell your dad that he needs to Venmo you some money. He does. I'll, I'll find out what he owes. Yes. And I need to start betting football with my dad because he is always wrong and I'm always right. So, 
Well, we may or may not know the character known as Dogger who comes on here to talk about uh, wagering on sports. So you can ask him if he knows him. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thanks again so much, Cassidy. It's been awesome catching up with you. Thank you. It was fun. Go dogs. All right. Go dogs. And now for the first time ever on the Mad Dog Show, we are going to bring in an opposing view from the team we're playing. And so we welcome Adam Cochran, Kentucky fan. What's up, Adam? Hey, David. How are you doing? (laughs) Man, I'm just happy to. Yes, yes. I don't know who this other David person is you refer to. Um, So... You're, you're a Kentucky fan. You know, you guys are coming in undefeated on a hot streak, just completely embarrassed Florida. Your running back ran wild, uh, striking fear in our hearts after what Auburn did to us, uh, and, which, and we knew they were going to do it. So kind of give me, give me the vibe from the Kentucky tribe right now. Well, you know, I think you can take a lot of this from the from the portal. Uh, you figure the lights of of Leary coming in, uh, getting him as a grad transfer from from North Carolina State. Same with Ray Davis, man, he just looked awesome last week against Florida. Had no idea that was coming. Uh, in that, I mean, what a what a show he put on. And uh, you know, I was very worried we'd even win the game or didn't have really a whole lot of high hopes when we played the likes of three very small schools, uh, you know, the likes of Eastern Kentucky and was losing in the third quarter. So I didn't know where this team was when, when we faced a real competitor in Florida. And I mean, we just walked the dog with them. Hate to use that pun, but we did. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's no secret that uh, uh, Kirby Smart has a tremendous amount of respect for Stoops. And the job done there, you know, he's, I think, the second longest tenured coach in the SEC behind Saban. Um, and really just done a lot to, to take Kentucky from just being considered a basketball school to being, you know, a force to be reckoned with in the SEC East. So, well, you know, and I as just, a Kentucky fan, yeah, you got to be day. Yeah, I, I did. I, how ecstatic we are! I just saw the other day that actually he's higher paid in Calipari now, which is unbelievable. That five years ago or ten years ago, you would have never believed that was going to happen. Um, I don't so, know that I do believe. He's more, he, whoa, whoa, whoa! Back up. He now gets paid more than Calipari. I saw an article a day or so ago saying Coach Stoops is now higher paid with all his endorsements than Coach Cal. Okay, the endorsements are probably what's taking over the top. That that is sure. unbelievable. I mean, I mean, never would have thought this. But you're, you know, you're now, I got. I got I mean, a, you can't be called just a basketball school now. Absolutely, and you know, I, I think Coach Stoops has brought a toughness into the program. There's no no doubt about it that last year without having Liam Cohen there and losing him to the Rams for one year, what he did with Will Levis two years ago and last year having a dismal, dismal offense, um, you know, and like I said, the portal's been huge for us. Uh, you know, we, we get a lot of, of players, you know, four- and five-star players that, that, that go to a Bama or go to a Georgia or go to an LSU, and 
you know, maybe somebody else comes in and, and we take them with open arms and, and they're doing well for us. And I think that's a big, big deal for a lot of not top 10 schools that are getting really good football players now. Yeah, it really levels the playing field for, for teams that would have to just kind of regroup and they really, the portal just lets them reload. That's exactly right. And I think that's helped us out tremendously in all this um, from a, from an, you know, a playability and athletic standpoint is we're getting players in there now that we never got before. And because before they would be staying behind a, a four or five star quarterback at Georgia, that person would sit behind him for four years and never play. And it just would go out his career. And now he can come somewhere else. Have you seen uh SEC inside this week, which was on Kentucky? I, I have not. Oh, you, you got to watch it. So basically they pick a team, they go through their whole week of practice, they go through their game and it's, it, it's just what it says. It's SEC inside. You're seeing, uh, you know, they're in the quarterback room with coach Liam. They're uh, in the locker room with stoops on the field with stoops. They're in practice. And he just comes across as just a really no nonsense guy. Uh, very, uh, very Kirby-esque, but, but they didn't catch any of the fire, which I'm sure he does behind closed doors. I have seen his face and head right up, light up as, as bright as Georgia Red on the sideline. He, he, he can get pissed off real, real fast and, and get fired up uh, as quick as anyone. He goes from zero to 60 real, real fast on the sideline. But, you know, there's nothing about it. You know, the Stoops name, the pedigree there. And, and I think Coach Mark uh, Stoops has done a tremendous job for us of getting us to the next level. And hopefully in the next couple of years, you know, he can get us to, you know, a top 10 consistently. I, that's where I think Kentucky fans want to be is they want to be – we don't want to be a top 20 team. We want to be a top 10 team. And, and I think hopefully it's taken him a little while, but hopefully we can get there. You really should be ranked higher than 20. And I, I looked at – everybody and I'm like why are these teams in front of Kentucky and I can't really figure it out other than maybe you know there's there's brand bias out there people just don't still can't wrap their head around you know Kentucky being a football school because there's teams in front of you that had no idea no business being in front of you and one um, you know I feel like we know a lot about Kentucky's offense about the quarterback about the running back you know you guys got a big line I, I think you know there's more that can be done with your receivers. And the, what, what's interesting to me is your defense because you run that very unconventional defense that it's almost like, you know, when you play – and I know they're nothing like playing against Tech's offense, but when you play against Kentucky's defense, it's like it's, it's something you don't see the whole rest of the year. And I think that's part of what gives teams trouble. Um, and sure. just was wondering kind of your thoughts on it. Well, you know, I think their their defense is very dynamic in the point is they have a lot of moving parts. We don't have uh, superior linemen that are just going to get up there and hold a wall, but he's got a good linebacking core. He's got very physical um, DBs that will come up and play you. Uh, I get a little concerned a lot from a speed factor is we can get beat deep. That worries me a lot against Georgia and, and, and higher-ranked teams that – have that dynamic wide receiver that'll blow by you. That worries me a lot. Um, but but I think they use it as a bend and don't break uh, and, you know, dynamic. 
and against Florida, that's what we did. They moved the ball some. They just, you know, they st- when they stumbled, we were right there to stop them. So I don't know why this keeps happening, but it seems like Vegas wants people to bet on Georgia this year because we're not covering. And to me, the line is too high. What is it, 14? It well started at, what, 17 and a half, and I think it dropped fairly quickly on that. Um, you know, honestly, I'm scared we can't keep up. Uh, if if um, your quarterback gets going, you know, I don't know. We've struggled in Sanford since your thousand back. Uh, ways, but normally we don't do well there. Two years ago when we were undefeated, we came in there and barely scored, what, a touchdown with the last couple seconds of the game just to get within 15 points or so of you. So we're not really good in Sanford for for many reasons, and it's an unbelievable environment. Yeah, I'm still a little bit miffed about that trash TD that Stoops did uh, two years ago. Uh, did that wreck the line on the game by well, him doing that? It destroyed the line. If you had the Cats – Getting the points you hit. <laughs> he was doing that for the fans. I guess so. He was he was absolutely doing it for the fans or or at least for somebody because uh, that absolutely wrecked the line. He called, what, two timeouts in the last 40 seconds to stop the clock to, to score a touchdown? You know, I've never thought about it, but by doing that, he had to just really endear himself to a part of the fan base that had bet on the team to cover – <laughs> and, you know, it's like, okay, we're just going to lay down or are we going to score this touchdown to take that's, care of our fan base? That's exactly right. Well, he didn't want to feel like it was a wasted trip where he just got blown out. You at least, it, it, even though if you were there and watched the game, you knew it wasn't as close as it was. But if you, you were, you know, you just watched in the box score, it looked a little closer. I believe it was in, the final was 13, and I believe the line was 14 or maybe 13 and a half. It covered by uh, literally a point or point and a half. <laughs> that's very, very interesting. I'd but, love, well, I don't know if he'd ever give a straight answer on that one, but I'd love to really know if that's what was going on. And if so, Hey, I salute you. <laughs> but you know, we, I'm, I'm, I'm just happy of being a, a lifelong uh, Kentucky fan living there, you know, going to school there uh, I just want us to be competitive. And and it, if we can get to the point where we play, you know, we play Alabama in about a month from now, um, if we can get to the point where we can just be competitive with Georgia, competitive with Alabama, you know, we've taken the next step of having pretty good seasons. You know, Stoops won a couple 10-win 10, 10 seasons, which is unbelievable for us. Uh, we're just trying to get to the next step. And, and, and being competitive with Georgia, Alabama, um, those – upper two or three, four-tier schools in the SEC is where I think he wants to get it. Well, I'll tell you, speaking of Alabama, there's nobody that's happier that see Alabama on your schedule than me because if we lose this game, we're up against it. I mean, you're, whoever wins this is in the driver's seat. And so I start – I play worst-case scenario and I start looking at your schedule. And I see <laughs> Alabama on there. And I, you haven't even played Tennessee yet, have you? No, duh. we got Tennessee. Uh, when you all have uh, Georgia, Florida, we have Tennessee uh, at home. So you got Tennessee left. You got Bama left. After that, do you have anybody tough? We, well, Louisville we got, won't matter. We got Missouri at home next weekend. 
And nobody really knows what they have yet. That'll be really interesting to see what they do with LSU this weekend. That's right. And, you know, they're ranked, I guess, one behind us at 21 in the nation. Uh, Just one behind us. And I haven't really seen much of them. They've not really been on TV much uh, that I've seen here. But not that I would watch them. But uh, who knows what they really have. And the psychology for the LSU-Missouri game does not look in LSU's favor. They're going to come in there deflated after a big loss. 11 a.m. kick in the zoo. Uh, it's going to be the vibe in there is really never – watching a game at Missouri is depressing. I just don't like how it even looks on TV. No, it, it's – I say a horrible stadium, but it just it doesn't look like a football stadium, you know. And, and, and two, you get uh, – you know, I think LSU, like you said, is going to be very deflated. They're not going to be inspired to come up there and win. Uh, and, and if Missouri gets up a little bit on them, I think they could they could beat them pretty handily as well. If they get up, I think they'll, they're already deflated from losing a, a very, very exciting football game. And if that happens, it's just going to be trouble for LSU again. So you you did say Kentucky plays Missouri next week? Kentucky's got uh, next week. Then I believe we're off of, let's see, no, the 21st. Uh, I believe we're off a week, and then we have Tennessee, and then um, can't think who we got that. Oh, we go Mississippi State, or maybe it's Mississippi State. We have we got Mississippi State, and then for sure Bama on the 11th of November. But we go at to Bama Mississippi or at State. Kentucky? Oh, in Lexington. Bama's in Lexington. Where is Missouri? Missouri's in Lexington, and Tennessee's in Lexington. We got a we got a big home schedule this year. Man, you do have a big home schedule. I don't like that. We go to to Mississippi State, to Georgia. Um, I guess who else did we go to? We had that um, was and in Florida, we had Florida at home. Yeah, yeah. You you made Florida look silly. Well, I, let's be honest with you. I believe I don't know how inspired Florida was. I thought they would come in being really ready to go. And, uh, you know, they had a couple costly penalties, real couple costly penalties. Uh, and when we jumped on them, you know, that's probably the first time we've ever jumped on Florida in last I can remember. And when we got on them, they just, uh, just kind of went, went dead. Well, after what Florida did to Tennessee, you, you would have not expected them to show up and look like they did. When, when Florida did what they did to Tennessee, I thought not only – can we probably not beat Tennessee, but we're not going to beat Florida. I just – I had no expectations there, like I said, especially playing Akron, Ball State, and Eastern Kentucky and to, to, to get to there. Now, listen, don't talk bad about Ball State. Everybody knows that Ball State is a sleeping giant. Nobody wants to play Ball State. I love you the don't want them coming I into your. Them. You don't want Ball State coming into your stadium. <laughs> Listen, I love I love Mac action on Tuesday and Wednesday nights at the end of the season. Now you got football four or five nights a week. So, um, but we didn't we didn't look great against Ball State. Um, looked okay against Akron. I mean, but once again, it's Akron. Um, but you know, I'm looking forward to this is a real test. I mean, last year we uh, two years ago. Last year I don't even look at last year because of the OC and all that dismal uh, uh, Levis getting hurt. Uh, we were up there at the Mississippi State game when he we we, we won beat Mississippi State, but uh, you know he kind of got hurt and dinged up there, 
had to get a couple other quarterbacks in there. But when we were really a good football team, I think two years ago, 5-0 and coming into Athens, we were, what, we were 17th, 16th or 17th. And, and really, other than that, we didn't have a lot for Georgia. Uh, their defense, that was your first national championship uh, of the two. And, and, you know, your defense was unbelievable. And, and, and Levis did nothing. But I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing um, Cohen – operate against against the guys of, of coach smart and and real defensive uh real defensive prowess coaches so you're going to the game going to the game taking carly taking the boys absolutely what colors will you be dressed out in entire family what's everybody wearing so me and uh, my youngest hagan we're, we'll be in Kentucky blue. Carly and Carson will definitely be all red decked out, and we probably won't speak much. We'll be we'll actually be one side of the car will be one family and or one one team, and the other side of the car will be the other. A true house divided, and really, in your case, you can't lose because I I know that you know 364 other days of the year you're a dog, but you got to represent. You went to Kentucky, and I respect that. Sure, and, and you know, and and. You know, last week uh, we we you know we almost got kicked out. Dave and Buster's in Atlanta watching the football game because we're against Auburn. Both of us because we're raising cane and uh, you know yelling and screaming. So we support Georgia. You know, I support Georgia three hundred and sixty four days a year. She's five thousand days a year. I mean, and 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 you know, our family loves the dogs. My boys are big dog fans and and want to do everything with them. But uh, when they play the cats a couple days, it uh, for, for about a four hour period, it gets a little dicey dogs versus cats. So what's the over under gosh, I didn't even looked at it. I just knew the line. I mean, I, okay. We're going to pick it. We're going to pick it. Then we're going to pick blind with no over under dogs minus 14. Give me a score. Ah, uh, 34-21, and we cover the spread by one. Again, we get a touchdown late. 34-21, that would mean we kicked two field goals. Yep. How's your defense? Defense isn't bad. I mean, once again, I thought Florida's offense was much better than it was. So, once again, we gave up 18 points or 17 points to a – FCS school and only beat them 28-17. So, I mean, I think we got a good defense. Are they an elite defense? No. I think I think if your offense puts a drive together, they put a drive together and score. Um, our bend-don't-break defense is, is one of those that will uh, need you all to make a mistake. I'm, I'm going to go 31-21 dogs, and they don't cover. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Because there's something to be said for consistency, and we haven't covered all year. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam, I got to run, man. But thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you so really much. Enjoyed I it. You. Uh, you be at the, you'll be at the game this weekend, or no? I'm not going to be at the game. I have a wedding. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, um, I appreciate everything that the Mad Dog does, and uh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, appreciate your sponsorship, everybody. And Adam owns uh, the local ASP and uh, redid my pool and did a great job. And that is, uh, you know, we constantly harassed him and he never got mad at us. So that's good.
<laughs> well, thank you again. I hope, uh, hope to see you soon. Yes, sir. Will do. See you. Have fun. And it is time to get educated on the numbers because Bert Hodges is back from dogbone.net. What's up? Hey, we are back. And I am going to stop telling you that we are going to cover the spread. (laughs) Because it seems like every time I do, we spot the other team 10 points right off the bat. Yeah, you know, I think Vegas is, you know, we're the we're the pump fake bet, and you know that's fine as long as we win. Sit. I mean, we got a W. We made it out of there. Yes. Thank you. Thank. I mean, without Brock, I just don't know if that happens. Yeah, I mean, you know, that just his fourth quarter stats alone are just insane. I think he had maybe one twenty or one thirty just in the fourth quarter. The thing that was compelling to me is on the touchdown, I mean, the Auburn players didn't even look like they wanted to touch him. They were just like, I don't even want any part. I don't want to be on a highlight reel. He's such a bulldozer with the ball that, you know, I kind of don't blame him. I mean, (laughs) I've never seen a receiver for us that is that adamant about not being tackled. He's like a Herschel Walker-esque tight end. I mean, yeah, that one, that one Auburn player, he had the angle and he really could have gone for his legs or his knees and taken him down. But it was like, he just, he was just like, mm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. And, and one thing I, you don't hear people talk about enough is his balance. He mm-hmm. is able to keep his balance, you know, on plays, you know, a lot of times on those sideline plays where you're like, okay, he's going down three mm-hmm. people hit him and they just kind of bounce off because of his center of gravity. Yeah, right. He's just so massive. He takes that hit, and then he just keeps on pounding. And then you look at that play against Ohio State last year. I mean, talk about balance. I mean, that was the ultimate balancing act. We don't win that game if he doesn't do the matrix play. I mean, He has I was, to make that play. I, I, was packed, yeah. I was ready. My daughter was like, Dad, you said it's over if we don't get it. I was like, yep, get your purse. We're about to beat traffic. <laughs> we were right there. Yeah, and, it was and, that and close. And they wouldn't tell you what was going on in the stadium. So it's like they come back from a commercial and all of a sudden it's first down. No replays, no nothing. It was weird. Yeah, right. No, I mean, they had to look at that thing from like three or four different angles to figure out how he pulled it off. I so wish Lou Holtz had come out after that game to tell Ohio State and Ryan Day just how (laughs) they were not a good team. They just weren't physical enough. Could have tackled him. Should have tackled him. Exactly. So what uh, what numbers have you sliced and diced for us? So um, I looked at a couple of things. Before we jump into the net yards per play, um, Senator, Senator Blue Tarski over at Get the Picture had an interesting stat on Carson quarter by quarter, and I thought it really kind of tells the tale of, you know, how our games have progressed just based upon – how he progresses through the game. So he has a quarter-by-quarter breakdown of QB rating per quarter. First quarter, his rating is 118. Second quarter, his rating is 153. Third quarter, his rating is 200. Fourth quarter, his rating is 205. So the jump between first and, and fourth quarter is 118 to 205. We need to put that guy in a scrimmage, you know, somewhere, you know, before the game lubed up by the first quarter. 30 minutes of just going all out, like make him think that he's actually in the game. 
And is it part of that Bobo just kind of like a puncher feeling out the other, his, his competition to see, okay, what are they going to do with against this? What are they going to do against that? To yeah. See how they're going to react so he knows how to call the plays. It could be, you know, that vanilla thing we talked about last week. And it also could be, you know, he's just a little bit inexperienced and maybe it's just nerves early in the game that he settles down into. I mean, you look at his fourth quarter performance versus Auburn. I mean, we we have had very few quarterback performances that good. Yeah, and he, you know, was the uh, overthrow to Delp where he just kind of juiced it and just airmailed it. Was that first quarter? It was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. If he put some air under that ball, that's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that was early. Yeah. Yeah, so it just seems like he settles in as the game goes on. And, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, that second half experience against Auburn is going to do him well as far as the nerves go. You know, that like he went into a hostile environment, he played us out of a hole, he played his best at the end of the game. Um, You know, it seems like that should give him – um, some confidence as we take on the rest of the season. It's got to. I mean, it is, it's got to. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. And having Ladd back is huge because, you know, he gets another possession receiver. And uh, we went – I mean, the, the third down conversions were just so impressive too, you know. I mean, we had third and long. I can't remember how many times. And he hit somebody for a third down conversion when we had to have it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think McConkie got three of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Lad played more than I thought they did. I looked at the player stats and um, Beck played every play, sixty four plays, but Lad I think was up, uh, I think twenty six or twenty eight plays. So I would have never, I would have never thought it was that many. And yeah, it was hot over there, and mm-hmm. it, it makes you wonder that okay. Hot day game at Auburn. This is going to be a night game where it's going to be pretty cool in Athens. So hopefully that could contribute to him playing more plus having another week. Right. Yeah. And I kept kind of watching him after the plays to see if, you know, he had any kind of reaction with his back and he seemed fine. Um, You know, much better than he did. When was that last year when he had the knee problem? Was it last year or two years ago when he had the knee problem and, Mm -hmm. you know, he'd go limping to the sideline all the time. I'm sure we have the finest masseuses on the planet that money could buy tending to his tender back (laughs) at any time he may need it. Yeah, Like Kobe beef, you know, that Wagyu beef. Yeah. Where they massage those cows all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's look at uh, sec net yards per play for week five. And um, if, you had told me at the start of the season that this would be the week that number one and number two in net yards per play play each other. I would have probably guessed that it was going to be Alabama and Texas A&M, but here we are, Georgia and Kentucky at um, number one and number two. Kentucky's actually at 2.63. They dropped a little bit with that win over Florida, um, but not much. So they're they're still on top. Um, we're at number two, two point four seven, and then there's three other teams that are still over two. We've got Tennessee at two point two, Ole Miss at two point one, and then Missouri just above two. 
Um, I Missouri's probably going to come down a little bit uh, this week. They've got LSU, and LSU, as far as yards per play goes, is the most baffling team out there because they come at number eight right now. They're at 1.3, but they've got an insane offense to go with an insanely bad defense. Right. So they're at seven, almost 7.8 yards per play on offense and then almost six and a half yards per play on defense. So, um, you know, that, it, something's got to give there. And uh, we'll, uh, it's really surprising that LSU's D is this bad as much as we heard about in the preseason. Um, their stout defensive line and a lot of guys coming back. I mean, they have played atrocious defense. We saw that last week uh, in the Ole Miss game. Um, looking at the rest of, of the group there, Alabama is kind of creeping up a little bit, but they're still down there at one at uh, number seven at 1.39. Uh, Texas A&M is moving up some 1.94 and that big win over Arkansas um, really moved them up. So that'll, I, I can't wait to see that clash this week because yeah. Texas A&M's defense looks good and Alabama, as much as um, you know that that victory over Mississippi State looked good, their offense still is not rolling down the field. I mean, I think they're still averaging well under 400 yards per game on offense, which is way below Alabama standards. So, them colliding with Texas A&M's defense should be interesting. And Texas A&M with the new QB, um, is it Johnson? What's his name? Max Johnson. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Mark Rick's uh, nephew. Yeah, and he's like six foot six. Mm-hmm. Has a brother who plays tight end. He looks yeah. good. He looks yeah, real he good. Be, he, I think he was at LSU back in the day, and he's just been kind of journeyman quarterback. And then uh, Texas A&M's quarterback gets hurt, and He's back in there, but yeah, he looks pretty good now. That's going to be a real interesting game. That's three thirty game, right? It is. Yep. It Do you is know the line on that? Uh, yeah, Alabama is favored by I want to say maybe three points. It's a pretty tight spread on that. Okay. One. Yeah. Um, we now have four teams in negative territory, and I told <laughs> you this would happen as soon as we uh, got into some SEC action, but. Yeah, when you start playing tougher teams, the uh, net yards per play starts going down. And so we've got Mississippi State, Vandy, South Carolina, and Arkansas bringing up the rear all in negative net yards per play. Um, Arkansas, I mean, that was just kind of baffling how bad they played against Texas A&M. South Carolina, I mean, also, I mean, they played terrible against Tennessee South Carolina's defense is bad. Um, they can't. They don't have a running game, so they're probably stuck negative for the year. Um, Vandy's actually not in last place, so you know maybe maybe they've got something for. Let's see, they're playing Florida this week, so maybe they'll uh, they'll bring something for Florida because Florida definitely did not look good against Kentucky, and I had to watch rewatch some of that game to make me feel better about this week because. Kentucky looks good, and, you know, our run defense has been suspect, especially against that quarterback last week. So that kind of concerns me. But watching Florida's lack of tackling ability made me feel a little bit better about this week. 
A little bit, but also, I mean, their O-line was blowing up holes and they were getting out schemed to where if that if if Davis got to the second level, he was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over. I yeah. mean, that guy, I think he had well over 200 yards before halftime of that game. Yeah, I thought so, he was going to go for 400 at that point. No, I think they just pulled him out. Uh, but, yeah, Florida <laughs> – Florida couldn't figure out how to stop him, and we better figure out how to stop him before we uh, get to Saturday because um, we haven't had somebody run on us like that in a long time, and that was just maddening watching that quarterback run on – both quarterbacks run on a Saturday. Yeah, and I think, you know, Freeze hadn't run any RPOs at least the game before, maybe not all season, so he started doing that, and then he took over play-calling duties. So that's yeah. huge – those yeah. two things and it looked like you know we were not I don't want to say not prepared but we hadn't been practicing for that and and the eye discipline of our backers it looked like a lot of times they would just guess wrong and mm-hmm. jump inside and those guys would just go outside That's we, it. Yeah. We, could not, we could not set the edge we couldn't yeah I mean that long run by uh what was it, Thorn? Um, yeah, I mean, it was just wide open around that whole side. Nobody there. So I want I want to scare everybody for a minute with your stats. So with Kentucky sitting at the top of net yards per play, 2.63 is at a level. And I know, you know, we're talking end-of-the-year numbers, but at the end mm-hmm. of the year at, your, at 2.63, you're, aren't you in the natty if not winning it? You are probably winning the national championship if you at the end of the, at the end of last year we were at not two, we were not at two point six three so um, yeah we won the national championship with a lower number now granted Kentucky so far we talked about this last week they've had Ball State Eastern Kentucky Akron Vandy and Florida was really their real first game of the year they looked good but that was their first game basically against a decent opponent. And I will once again take exception to calling Ball State a cupcake. <laughs> you know, Kentucky played them. That's a, that's a tough win. It was. I mean, if it gives you any solace, we played Ball State better than Kentucky did. So well, we that's got that. Yeah. Uh, that, may, that gives me comfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about the line this week? You asked me about it the last two weeks, and I told you I thought – we were underrated, and uh, now we're coming in at, what, another 15, 14 or 15 points? It feels like Vegas has said we're the sucker bet every week, and they think dogs are going to load up the cover, and we just never will. And that's, you know, I don't know. I just, Maybe this week they know something we don't. Yeah. But 14's kind of high. I've got to think that we're going to figure out this beginning of the game problem pretty soon. And it would be great if it happens this week, because if we can get past Kentucky, we got Vandy next, we got the bye week, and then we travel down to Florida. Um, It seems like we really make some strides during that two weeks stretch where um, we get a little bit of a break, but we got to get by Kentucky to do it. Well, I mean, if there is ever uh, a game where you need a fast start, it's this one. We need to jump on top of them to take them out of their run game because mm-hmm. they haven't really been a pass-happy team, and I don't know how good they would be at it. Yeah. 
and we do so many things pregame to get our crowd hyped up. And then, you know, think about that South Carolina game, how deflating, how deflated our crowd was at halftime of that game. Um, you know, we need we need a loud crowd in it. Like Buffalo said a few weeks ago about the, uh, the what do you call it, a false start? frenzy what was, it? <laughs> what was his nomenclature for that that sounds like him false start frenzy yeah that's perfect i mean it's it's so effective because we've got a loud crowd so the quarterback can't really communicate and then we do that shifting line thing i mean it's south carolina got fooled on it nine or ten times in that game how do people jump off sides from the shift, the line shift that we've done for the last feels like ten years, it's it's crazy. You know who doesn't do that is Vanderbilt because they got smart kids there that know <laughs> that it's coming, and so it doesn't work against them. We, we probably don't even try it. But South Carolina, I mean, that's a piece of cake. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it's going to work this Saturday because you know that that crowd's going to be on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, we're, we're going to need the crowd for this one. It feels like, you know, that stretch in 21 where going into the season, we didn't really think the Arkansas and Kentucky games were going to be big. And they turned out to be big because I think both teams came in either undefeated or had only one loss. And um, I think those were some CBS 330 games or maybe a noon CBS. But yeah, I mean, this is this game is a whole lot bigger than it looked like at the beginning of the season. Oh, for sure. I mean, but I guess probably because everybody on paper looked at Florida, Kentucky, and thought, you know, Napier's going to have them moving in the right direction and they're going to mm-hmm. be able to beat them. And then also, you know, you saw what Florida did to Tennessee, and so nobody would have guessed that they would have come out and just laid the egg that they did against Kentucky. Yeah, Tennessee fans have just got to be like, what is going on? I mean, did the, you know, was that just like an anomaly what happened in Gainesville a few weeks ago? Or, um, you know, is is Florida that bad? Like, you know, it's it's really hard to say at this point. Yeah, it is. And so it's, it's, a, it's a strange world we live in where, you know, not only – I mean, Kentucky's look good with under stoops. You know, definitely an upward trajectory. Um, but now you got Missouri, who I mean, it feels like they're going to beat LSU. It just feels like I mean, they're LSU is going to come in deflated, eleven a.m. kick, not want to be there, and Missouri yeah. going to want to be there. What do you? Are yeah. You the line. No, I'm just looking at their schedule, and um, so they've got LSU, and then they have Kentucky next week, and then South Carolina, and then they have a bye before they play us. Of course. Uh, yeah, so, you know, conceivably, if they get by LSU this week, um, I mean, that could be another big game at home. 100%. And I think that um, Drinkowitz has them believing. They got a good quarterback. They got Burdens, a great receiver. Uh, you know, you get into a shootout with them, you, you better mm-hmm. have somebody that can cover Burden and you better have somebody, you know, what's their quarterback's name? Uh, is it Cook? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Cook. Chasing him down. Um, yeah, Luther Burden's a beast this year. And, I mean, man, I mean, we, we tried as hard as we could to get that guy. We almost had him convinced. But, 
<clears throat> yeah, he's a beast for him. Is there any group of folks that is wronger about predicting the fate of SEC football than the media day guys that vote on vote during media days in the summer? <laughs> they had they had Kentucky at four, and I think they had Missouri maybe at five. And if you look at it now, the I mean the the three undefeated teams in the East are us, Kentucky, and Missouri. Yeah, they know as much as we do, if not less. I think they know less because there a lot of them are, are homers for the team that they cover. Mm-hmm. At least the guy who writes for South Carolina here, he's such a homer, and I'm on Twitter just dogging him all the time for his homer fansmanship of. South Carolina, but those guys don't watch the rest of the games. They watch their game and they write on their game and they don't know a whole lot about other teams. I feel sorry for them that they have to watch the games of their teams versus being able to watch the dogs. You know, I mean, that would just ruin college football for me if I had to be the beat writer for South Carolina going to Vanderbilt and cover (laughs) that for an entire day instead of watching all these other great matchups. Oh, for an entire week, you got to be, you know, cranking out content, trying to get people excited about reading your article about South Carolina versus Vandy. Right. Like if you're a Seth Emerson and you're covering Georgia, I mean, that's a different gig, you know, I mean, you've got some compelling matchups there, but yeah, the beat reporter for a bad SEC school is not a, not a job I want to have. Me either. All right. I want to look at one more stat, and this is the uh, week five net yards per play for every team in the SEC, if you can pull that one up. And this is just because this was the first week that we had SEC on SEC action for every team in the conference. So just to kind of give you an idea of who was moving up and who was moving down. Um, starting at the top in the east, so we had Florida. They had negative 1.8 yards per play, net yards per play against Kentucky. Okay. Um, here we were at Auburn with 1.8 net yards per play. So on paper, if you, you know you take away those turnovers um, and Auburn scores on those turnovers, I mean, we really dominated that game. Um, you know, outside, I think they had 300 yards total. Over 100 of those were the quarterback running the ball. So, hey, Bert, um, Bert, yeah, don't, don't tell any Auburn people that we dominated them and gave them a short field <laughs> on two turnovers because they, 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 they could have won that, right? No, no, they had a chance to win the go- win the game. We, um, you know. The, I think a couple of years ago, a, an opposing fan had described our style of play as joyless murder ball. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. 21 and 22. This is the season of false hope, I think. You know, if we have a style of play this year so far, it's uh, given the other team some false hope. Yeah, baiting them like Deion Sanders used to bait quarterbacks so they'd throw it to him and he could pick it and take it to the house. Right, and then when you get to the goal line, you're doing that Deion thing, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. But to your your point, so in in your stat, we were Mm 1.8, and and Auburn was negative 1.8. That's it, yeah. Which I wouldn't think – that would be the case. Well, I guess 
whatever you are, yeah. the other team's opposite. They're the exact opposite. Yeah, if you're positive, they're negative. Yeah. So to that extreme, okay. if you look at the Arkansas-Texas A&M game, so Texas A&M outgained them net yards per play by 2.9. So Texas A&M had a huge bump up in their net, net yards per play, and Texas and Arkansas had a huge drop. Um, surprisingly, Arkansas. in the LSU – Go ahead. I was just going to say, Arkansas has been a head scratcher. They look like they're in a bad place. Yeah, I've I've been reading a little bit about them. Apparently, they're really upset with how poor their offensive line is playing, which is kind of surprising considering, you know, the pit boss is there and that's his jam. But um, you got to wonder how much longer he's going to be there. I mean, they're, they're, they have struggled from year to year. And, um, you know, I don't know how how much longer they're going to take that. You know, him, I, think, I think they're going to give him some time, but I know you were about to say something about LSU, so go ahead. Yeah, yeah, LSU and Ole Miss was the surprising one because, you know, Ole Miss won the game, but LSU won the net yards per play. Um, I didn't get to watch much of that game, so I don't know exactly how that transpired, but usually the the winner of the net yards per play wins the game but then again you got turnovers and special teams and stuff like that yeah i think you're exactly right the turnovers are what could turn that number into a, a bit of an anomaly yeah yeah um bama was at 2.2 overall uh, mississippi state and um tennessee they really didn't dominate south carolina they were 1.3 um, net yards per play over South Carolina. That South Carolina was in that game. They just threw a pick six, and like you were saying about the turnovers, pick six is the I mean is the ultimate turnaround in a game because it takes away a drive from you and it puts seven points on the board for the other team. And basically, that's what happened to us with our two turnovers. I mean, it's like you think about the beginning of the second half, and that is when we are so dialed in and and. Kirby's like, we're going to motor straight down the field. We're going to score a touchdown right now. And I think it was the first play that Delt fumbled the ball on. Um, And so it kills our drive when we probably got it all laid out. We're ready to roll down the field. And then Auburn scores like two or three plays later. Yeah, that – I mean, when when we thought Dejan had fumbled, I thought it was over. Mm -hmm. But you got me thinking about something. So a pick six – a scoop and score and any kind of kick return for a touchdown would be something that would not show up in net yards per play. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. It doesn't show up anywhere. Okay. Yeah. But it affects the game. I mean, you have a couple of pick sixes. I think back to that South Carolina, Georgia game in 2019, the from like Fromm's worst game. I don't want to think back to that. Yeah, I know. I mean, that was the ultimate turnovers, pick sixes will dictate a game if you give a, give enough of them. It'd be real interesting to go back and see what the uh, the NPP was in that game because of those two pick sixes. It was the same guy. The same guy picked off both passes and ran it for a touchdown. Mm. Yeah. Our last home loss, our last SEC regular season loss. In 2019. Yeah, you know, I think, and that that is putting as much on our fansmanship. I think these streaks now are putting as much pressure 
on us as anything. You know, thinking about how long we've been since losing a regular season game, how long we've been since losing a game period, um, keeping this, you know, mad dog 34-1 and one streak alive. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of pressure on us as fans to keep this going. It really is. And I'll tell you that the stat that Auburn had of four straight home games winning against number one teams, that's crazy. I couldn't believe that. Like I, so they showed who it was because I was trying to, th- I, I knew it was us when we went in 2017 and I figured it was Bama a couple of times and that was right. But you had to go all the way back to 2001 to the 2001 Auburn Florida game to get to that fourth straight victory over a number one team. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys can get up for the big games. They, uh, you know, as as you can, you've seen against Alabama over the years, they just can't get up for the little yeah, games. Yeah, their refs get up for those games too. They do. <laughs> yeah, like that call on the last play of the game when Malachi starts intercepting. Did you see the holding all over the field? On that I saw play? the holding the whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's maddening. They weren't going to call anything, and I think Auburn knew it, and they took advantage of it because they were going to hold us as much as they could until they threw but a flag it, on them. And they never—that's exactly what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was maddening. Yep. But hey, we walked out of there with a W. Um, you know, we gave them some false hope, crushed their spirit, <laughs> just like we did against South Carolina, and we're moving on undefeated. Feels good. Now let's turn it around this week and let's come out steamrolling in the first half and change this narrative because I've got to believe we've got a four-quarter game in us where we really put it together. And I can't wait to see what that looks like um, because, you know, we we still don't really know the identity of this team. You know, the defense – not as strong as it's been the last two years. Maybe it'll come around. We need to get some guys back like Tyron Ingram Dawkins. Um, But the offense, you know, the same. We haven't been able to run the ball as we have in the past, but um, Beck seems to be rounding in a form. And um, it would, it would be great if we could put a four quarter game together on Saturday. Perfect time to do it. I think it's critical. We come out fast. Like I said, Yeah. So they have to pass and cannot rely on the run. Yeah. Keep that crowd in it. False start frenzy on their part. And, um, you know, it's, it makes every drive for them first and 15, which a whole lot harder to get. Absolutely. I can't wait to talk to Buffalo about the false start frenzy. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think that's what he called it. It was some kind of alliteration. So, uh, yeah, check with him. I'll do it. Well, Bert, as always, All right. thank you for coming on. I want to encourage everybody to go to the dogbone.net. It's where you will find every article out there about the dogs. It's a news aggregator. It's like the Drudge Report for Georgia football. Go there and you'll find everything. That's it. That's it. We got all the stats, all the info you'll ever need on the dogs. So uh, check more it out. than you can read. <laughs> That's it. All right. All right. Dogs. Enjoyed it. Go dogs. All right. Go dogs. Back by popular demand, it is the man known only as Buffalo. What is up? Bad dog, as always. How you feel defeated? Man, I feel great. You know, we're still undefeated. We're still the number one team in the country. We still got all our streaks intact. Not that I'm a big, you know, 
care of streaks. I just want to win, but it's, I'm still, it's like I'm living in an alternate universe. What has transpired over the last two years? We have, and this streak has gotten so large that it's, it, I, I am starting to feel the pressure. Of it. I feel like Pete Rose when he had his, what was he, a 44 game hitting streak he had and he, he, it ended here in Atlanta, I believe, and he was wanted to fight Gene Garber for not throwing <laughs> the ball straight down the plate to him so he could hit it. Right. I'm starting to feel like Pete Rose. Yeah, I mean, the streaks are getting gaudy. Um, <laughs> they're, getting, they're getting up there. Yeah, they're getting up there. But, but hey. Things don't have to be explained in scientific notation. Well, I mean, I just think about, you know, the historic nature of them and, you know, how am I going to explain it to the grandkids one day so that they can truly get the magnitude of what went down? Yeah, I, we, we would have never understood it. Uh, well, the 80s, early 80s, but if you start when we went to college, you're talking about a foreign land we're in right now, man. Yeah, we'd be like, what? Yeah, what if someone had come back from the future and they're like, don't worry. When you're old and gray and bald exactly. in the year 2021, a man will arrive exactly. who, who, who hasn't even played football at Georgia yet. But this man will take you to the promised land, not yeah, once, like, but twice. I don't believe it. I'm, I'm sending that Hollywood script to the, to the <laughs> side if they, if they propose it to me. Yeah. But it happened. Exactly. And like I said, we got to separate ourselves from those guys. And last week I said, let's just watch this team improve. Uh, that's that's kind of fun to do that. A little, a little nerve-wracking, but somewhat refreshing when you can sit back and reflect on it after the game's over and you've won. Yeah, I mean, it, winning in boring fashion, it's great. Like, it was great to be bored at the national championship, but it's also great to have a win that you feel it like, oh, wow, we really ground that out, you know, really got pushed to the limit and – if we didn't have certain players, it wouldn't have happened, you know, like Bowers. Yeah, like Bowers. Uh, I'm going to talk about him in a second. I, I want to – I got my Brave shirt on, my old school politically incorrect Brave shirt. Love it. Uh, playoffs are going on right now. Just talking about fast starts, uh, well, I believe Tampa was 20-3 and three to start the year, uh, Tampa Rays. Uh, they're out of the playoffs now, so – they were in the playoffs about six hours. So anyway, <laughs> fast starts. Well, you know they're they're not all that cracked up to be sometimes. I went to the Braves on Sunday, uh, Mad Dog, and I go to this nice uh, friends of ours took Laura and I to the game, first class, everything great. And, and you know, at some point, I had to go to the, the bathroom, and and I'm standing there at the urinal, and this guy looks to me and he says, "Hey, you know, uh, Kentucky's got this running back." that went for 280-some-odd yards against uh, Florida, and he used to be the front man and lead singer for the band The Kinks. What? So I didn't know that Kentucky had a had a, had a had an English running back that just went bonkers against the Gators. Uh, 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 that, that was a shocking fact that I learned on Sunday in the urinal. I, I think he might have been drunk or – just completely confused because the lead singer of the Kinks was Ray Davies and the running back for Kentucky is Ray Davis. Oh, well, I'm 
sorry to everyone <laughs> if I brought out some bad facts. I, I thought I I usually believe everything I hear and read. So do we? We may need to explain to the younger listeners who the Kinks are. <laughs> I think they got a song called Lola. Yes. Which which is pretty appropriate in these times. It is very appropriate. Those guys were ahead of their time. They were soothsayers. Um, they, you really got me. I mean, they had a bunch of good ones. And here I thought a 70, I know there's been advances in medicine. Have you ever seen that old man in that ad that just all buffed? He looks like, uh, he looks like Ben Watson when he played for us, but he's ball headed and gray and he's 70 years old. <laughs> he's on something. Yeah. I thought that's what the deal was because I knew this guy had to be old if he sang Lola, yet he was playing running back for Kentucky. But I guess I was – that guy must have been a Nationals fan telling me a lie. I, I think it was. I wish that Ray Davies from the Kinks was playing running back for Kentucky because then I think we'd have a much better shot. We would. That would, that would sway the line a little bit in Las Vegas. Big time. Uh, okay, let's get on to Brock. Uh, it's it's well, Brocktober. Just, it's Brocktober, it's baby. Brocktober, sorry. What a <laughs> month we're in, Brocktober. It's good to be in Brock. The leaves are kind of going to be changing, I think, towards the end of Brocktober. Yep. A lot of big – we got the Georgia-Florida game at the end of Brocktober. It could be Brocktastic. It can, it can, it, it's been Brocktastic. I hope it continues to be Brocktastic. I think it will. Think, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was – Thinking after we just fed the beast on in the fourth quarter, I mean, this guy's getting some, finally getting some national attention, but we've all known about it. I was thinking that, that maybe I call uh, Webster's or Harbracer. Who I don't know who it is. Scripps Howard. Who, who I don't know whoever starts whoever invents the English language each year. I'd like to change the word powerful to powerful. <laughs> From fantastic to brocktastic? From fantastic to brocktastic. From horsepower to horsepower. From delicious to brocolicious. <laughs> How about this? The next Twisted Sister concert, they should sing, I want a brock. <laughs> I mean, Bob Seger, Bob Seger could change a song. He could. There's a song he wrote, I think, in 1985. 85. Popularized by a, I don't know if it was Dodge, Ford, I can't remember. Like, like a rock, rock baby. He, like Brock. I know he's, I know he's in, retirement, in retirement, but like a Brock. Man, love Seeger. I mean, there's nobody more All-American than Bob Seeger. If, if, I didn't know the lyrics to that song until the other night, and I looked them up. If you read the first two-thirds of the lyrics of that song, he might as well be talking about our own very tight end, Brock Bowers. It's eerie, and I've been obsessing about it ever since you pointed it out to me. Like changing a, I was 18 to I was 19, you know, just all of it is just... Yeah, yeah, he's changing to 19. <laughs> it's all applicable. His, his hands were, what did you say? Steady. Steady. His, hands, yeah. his eyes were bright. His hands were steady, or his steps were light, or something. Yeah. He felt like a man. He felt like number one. Yeah, it's crazy. We got, you know, if Bob ever comes out of retirement, 
I'm going to call him and tell him he needs to change the words. Hopefully he's got some tax issues and he'll come back out and hit the road again. But he I might. Don't. That sometimes happens to musicians. Sometimes happens. They throw in the <laughs> towel and then the tax man hits him a couple, two or three years. And they're like, you know what? I'm going to come back for my final run. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, you know, this game. What are, you, what are your thoughts on this game uh, coming up, Matt? I'm sure people have asked you on the show. but I mean, my thoughts are we got to come out fast because their strength is their running game. If we come out fast and they're having to play us from behind, then they're just – it's not going to be able to catch up if they're doing ground and pound. So then they're going to have to rely on a passing game, which isn't as strong. And I just like our defense in that situation. Yeah, we got to stop them on third down. Uh, which we did a great job of last week. I know we gave up the chunk play and the two short fields got us, but we got to hold on to the ball. We, we, we know that. I mean, against this team, we really can't. What were we, uh, were we minus two or no, minus one last week if you count the end of the game interception? Right. I, I'm Kentucky's funky defense kind of concerns me because it's kind of like I said earlier, it's like when you played. Tech's offense, you know, you only played it once a year, so you'd had to really just kind of devote, you know, a sesh per week against it. And you, the same thing's true with Kentucky's defense. Is you don't play, you know, their uneven fronts that they put out there except once a year. Yeah, they got the monster in the middle, big number zero. Exactly. But, you know, it won't be the first time we faced it. We faced it last year, but when we did, we only scored 16 points. Yeah, that guy's been making some plays. Yeah. They even dropped him back a couple of times. Did you know that? He no, I didn't. At 345 pounds or whatever he is. I need yeah, to go back. back. I need to go back and watch uh, SEC inside because, you know, they did Kentucky this past week. Yeah. Um, Davis will be trying to the edges, I guess. But, you know, he, he, he did pretty well inside. But I don't think Florida was – interested that day they weren't interested in taking on blocks they weren't interested in tackling our own uh ex Jalen Kimber I watched him get dragged like some guy that fell off a horse and his foot was still hanging in the stirrup he got drug into the end zone one time uh man Florida just looks like they 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 had uh they'd had a bottle of Robitussin before that game kicked off yeah they looked very disinterested the only thing i think they were interested in was getting back out of there and going back to gainesville but it was just baffling how they could play and look so good against tennessee and then just essentially not show up for Kentucky. Yeah, a lot of tennessee fans will tell you that tennessee's just cursed when they go there they can't for some reason get over the hump there maybe they played terribly that day i don't know but man florida i thought they i was like well aren't the georgia florida game took on a little more excitement to me after they uh, did that to Tennessee, but then they came back with this done. I guess yeah. you don't know what you're going to get from those guys. Yeah. I, I Florida's kind of tough to figure, man. They just don't – they can't seem to turn the corner, and I don't know if Napier's going to be the guy to turn the corner. Yeah, he, look, he looks – Looks a little uh, stressed there on the sidelines. And a big part of their problem is they have no patience. Like, you, you got to give a guy time. And it's just a win-now culture, and I know that's everywhere. Um, you know, we've seen what's happened with the last four guys down there. It's just all of a sudden, everybody just decides that guy's out, and it's just a done deal, and they run him out of town. Yeah, I mean, 
they had a pretty good coach, although not a, apparently not a great person. But they had a really good coach. But after him, they have struck out or not given him enough time, like you said. I mean, when your coach has to come up with uh, fake death threats in order to get out of town. Remember when McIlwain was just making stuff up? You mean the shark fisherman? Yes. Captain Quint. Captain yeah. Quint. <laughs> well, he had a lot of things going on. He did have a lot of things going on. You probably need to stay off those fishing boats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I have one announcement to make. I know uh, I, can't, I can't. I always have to go out of town before the Florida game uh, during Halloween week, but uh, and I have a special guest sit in for me. I think I might have another week this year where I have to I have to be away, and I, I, I think we may have. I'm trying to work on another guest to fill in for me, so. Just want to tell everybody he, he will be probably recognizable, but we'll we'll see how that works out. Can you can you tell us who it might be? Oh, he might be currently embattled with uh, just for men beard. <laughs> Ohio State coach Brian Day. Well, I, I can connect those. Who wants to get on the Mad Dog Show? Look, Lou is welcome. I would love for Lou to come on and pontificate about everything in the world that he hates about Ohio State and Ryan Day and just take him to task. All right, well, we'll we'll see if Lou can make it. I mean, that would be the highlight of all three seasons if you can get him on. (laughs) It might be the highlight. We'll have to. (laughs) That's yet to be seen. I mean, if if word gets out that Lou Holtz is going to be here to just – lambast, lambaste, Ohio State. I mean, we may be able to get Day on here. Yeah, well, we might. We get them both on there. You talk, remember the old show on CNN, Crossfire? Yeah. That would be what it is. It'd be like, you know, two wrestlers going at it in 1977. Yeah, no doubt. We need Gordon Soley. <laughs> exactly. I love Gordon Soley. I bring him up about every three weeks. <laughs> love him. <laughs> Are you going to the game this week, uh, Mad Dog? Well, as a matter of fact, I'm not. I have a wedding. I thought you were already married. I am, in fact, married. I have been invited Uh-oh. to a wedding. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good luck to you there. Yeah. Wish the couple well, and uh, you know, hope 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 uh, hope the bride allows uh some of the uh, attendees to uh, keep up with the game. I, I've heard there there will be TVs there. Oh, not, that's good. I'm not sure if they're going to be on. There's, I have plans in place to make sure that I'm kept abreast of all information. All right. <laughs> well, I won't be there either. I've been out of town six weeks, and I just can't do it again. So I'm going to every weekend. So I'm, I'm going I'm to stay here, and I'm going to open. I don't. I don't know if I've ever told you. My deck is known as the deck of doom. Okay. Because we lost so many big games on it throughout the history of me having this deck. But the deck of Doom's turned around. Okay, okay. So we're we're opening the deck of Doom. So I shouldn't worry about it. It's open weekend for the deck of Doom. Okay, but I don't need to be worried that you're on the deck deck of Doom for Kentucky. Okay. I went out and did a gravel angel out in the pea gravel and Looked at the moon and uncursed it or something. I don't know what happened, but the deck of doom's been nice to me now. Okay, good. All right. Should we bring in Dogger? The Dogger. 
Let's it was see. hot two weeks ago. Let's see if really Dogger hot. is awake. Bad dog. He is. What's up, Dogger? How are you, man? Man, I'm great. I'm better now that you're here. No, I'm, I'm super excited. Back after a little hiatus, I had to do another duty that uh, really focused on my gambling activities and, and research getting ready for this week. So, great win by the dogs. Good comeback there in the plains. That was a little nerve-wracking. The dogs are 0-4 in the covering aspect, which is frustrating, but uh, but they're 4-0. So, that's a good thing. Well, I appreciate you carving out time for us. I know you're on the circuit. I know there's a lot of different podcasts and conventions that that need your your guidance when it comes to wagering that's right that's right some of those are more uh publicly aired but on this one i like to stay anonymous and and i know that you're also um you know you have various services that people subscribe to on the internet just to get your insight as to what may or may not happen yeah for all of your listeners you may see uh it's may not come from the dogger but it it can come from a bunch of different names maybe the colonel or or something different uh so if you get those those random texts that say three dollars and i'll give you five locks or you get the (laughs) next week free then uh just pay attention to those and sign up well you have to have aliases when you're in your line of work (laughs) that's right (laughs) so we got we got a special little treat this week Dogger is, 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 and I have conspired and consulted to come up with a little select group of games for the three of us to pick, both ATS and straight-up money line. Against the spread, straight-up money line. So kick it off, Dogger. All right, that's fine. I don't know if your, uh, your, your person there in the back room, Park, is going to be the bear, uh, the old bear from ESPN, to track all these. He can put them up on a board, or, or I'm going to track them as well. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we're going to follow that format. We need to come up with the booby prize. Okay. Here, here at some point, Buffalo a couple of weeks ago mentioned Phil Former, Phil Former looking like a giant pumpkin. So we may, <laughs> one of us whoever loses may have to may have to dress up as a giant pumpkin for a Georgia game. We can make that happen. <laughs> you have to dress up for it the week of Tennessee. There you go. Yes. There you go. That's that's something to discuss. All right, so the uh, the first game, and these are in order of, well, there are three games at 12 o'clock, uh, but you have LSU at Missouri, and LSU is minus six. So I don't know if y'all want to go first, if you want me to pick first, how you want to do it. All right, I'll go, and I'll say um, Missouri covers and Missouri wins. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I heard you on earlier. You were picking Missouri, LSU coming in a little – Little week, early game. Interesting. Bobber. All right, I'll go LSU covers. And, of course, with that, they win. All right, I'm the same as Bobber. So, LSU LSU covers and LSU wins. I'm a contrarian. Let me just say that out of the game. No, that's not a bad pick. That happened against the Dogs. Was that last year that they went into Missouri and and really struggled there for a while? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, the next game is Texas minus six and a half at Oklahoma. Wait, no, no, no. Neutral field, right? Uh, it, it, my bad. I just uh, It's listed as a home field. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's neutral. So, it Oklahoma, is. Oklahoma, you're right. Oklahoma will be the home team in their home yeah. color. Yeah. All right, so mm, I'm going to say I'm going to say Oklahoma wins and Oklahoma covers. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's – and Bobber. I'm going to say 
Texas wins and Oklahoma covers. Interesting. A, a tight game. I'm going to agree with Mad Dog here. I'm going to go Oklahoma covers and Oklahoma wins. All right. All right. The next one, you have Ohio State minus 20 against Maryland. Oh, my gosh. It's 20? Yep. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick with my heart here. And I know that's the wrong thing to do, but what the heck? Money's free. I'm going to go Maryland. <laughs> Maryland covers. And Maryland wins. Woohoo! Wow. Yeah. That's uh, so by the way, that the odds they would be plus thirteen hundred if they win. So you bet a hundred and they win, you would win thirteen hundred. Okay. For Maryland. Yeah. All right. That's the, that's the biggest money line out there. I should have mentioned the other money lines. LSU is minus two thirty and Texas is minus one ninety. And then Ohio State is minus fifteen hundred, but Maryland would be plus thirteen hundred. All right, I'm going. To, I'm going just for men beards across the board. <laughs> you love them, don't you, Bobber? Don't sleep on the Terps. I don't love them, but they got a they got a Tagovailoa quarterback. I'm going to go Maryland covers and Ohio State wins. They're both undefeated, so. Right. Yeah, that uh, should be – hopefully it will be a tight one. I'm, I'm not a big Ohio State fan. I know you're not Mad dog. Hate them. Uh, uh, next game is Alabama minus two at Texas A&M. Keeping with my theme, I will say Texas A&M covers and wins. Damn, do we need to change your – from Mad Dog to Underdog? I mean, <laughs> whatever fits. <laughs> Um, that's tough. Alabama has never had two losses by the 1st of November since 2007. Therefore, I will go with Alabama to win the game and cover the two. Uh, All right. No, no. If I'm right, then Jimbo will be the first former Saban coach, former Saban assistant to beat him twice. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go with that stat right there. I'm going to, I'm going to ride mad dog again and go with A&M to both win the game and cover. I just, uh, I know Alabama looked good last week, but I think they're still a little struggling a little bit. So I gave it a dog on that one. A&M held Auburn. They, they stoned them. They didn't have. They had 140 yards rushing against them. I think. I mean, A&M may have a. After their initial hiccup, they may have found the, the, the found a, <laughs> found a defense. Found a defense. <laughs> I like Max Johnson too. Like you said, I do too. Uh, all right. The next one is, and I hate betting on the. I've always said this on your show, Mad Dog. Uh, the Georgia game. I ain't betting on the side there, but we'll do it. Uh, you don't. Georgia. You know what? I don't want to make you do anything. You're not. No, 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 no. That's fine. You that's can. Fine. You're, you can sit it out if you want. No, no, no. No, I have to keep okay. it going. Got to keep the record for the year. I'm, I'm going away from my theme of uh, going both ways. I'm going to say Georgia wins, doesn't cover. All right, Georgia's minus fourteen and a half. By the way, I heard you say fourteen earlier. I've got it at fourteen and a half. Okay. Well, I uh, predicted we would cover South Carolina. I was wrong. 
and I don't want to come out bold, but man, we gotta we we gotta have a game where we just put it all together. And I'm saying week six is it. I'm gonna go with the dogs winning across the board, covering and all that. I'm with you. I am definitely with you. I really like the over in that game too. Forty-eight. Ooh. Forty-eight. I was wondering what that was. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. 48. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> And the final one, your other favorite team, Mad Dog, is the Irish, is minus five and a half at Louisville. I threw that in there for you. <laughs> and I'm going to go against my heart, and I'm going to say Notre Dame wins and covers. <laughs> I'm going to say Notre Dame's been in two games in a row that have been tough. So I'm going to say Notre Dame. I'm going to say Louisville wins the game. Wow. Louisville, yeah. Interesting. I do agree they've been in two tough ones. The fact they came back and beat Duke on a fourth and, what was it, 16 or 17, um, for him to be able to, to escape and get that first down and come back and win. I debated going with Louisville, but I'm hoping that uh, they're – I guess they're, they're on a kind of a roll that'll help them rebound. That was a really tough game against Ohio State, obviously. So I'm going to agree with Mad Dog on this one, too. I think Mad Dog and I are alike on a lot of these. I'm going to go Irish on both sides. Love it. All right, just, just everybody's opinion. I'm of the opinion that Missouri is going to shock the world and beat LSU. Does anyone agree? I can see it happening easily. I don't uh, – because I took LSU on both sides. I don't know, Brian Kelly, I'm not a huge fan, not a fan at all of Brian Kelly, but I, I just feel like they're going to, to rebound. They Their defense obviously needs to be playing better than they did against Ole Miss. It'll be a hostile environment. I just see LSU pulling that out in the end. I picked LSU because – They're going to have three losses now? That's yeah. correct. Brian Kelly, three losses. Learn to love it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, he may he may find a, uh, a, head, a head of a nutria in his bed. Nutria. <laughs> wow. I love that you pulled that animal out of your hat. Well, it's one of my favorites. Rat. The, job, most, the largest rodent in the world, isn't it? That's right. Yep. You're right. What's the angriest rodent in the world, Bobber? The angriest rodent in the yeah. world? You always, you always talked about the – you don't remember what – I can't think what it was. It's that little uh, rat-looking thing. Never mind. Well, I can't remember, Craig. I mean, dogger. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every week. That's all right. <laughs> Can't help it. What was the what's up with the uh, false start frenzy? Yeah, false start fiasco. I mean, oh, was fiasco. Okay, we didn't know if it was fiasco or frenzy. That was that was when we played South Carolina, and uh, and we're gonna have Beamer in a, a going crazy when we're so loud that they false start all the time, and he was gonna he's gonna lose, he's gonna implode on himself. And his <laughs> face was gonna his face makes so it's like Jim Carrey esque. Yeah, it is. Space is all over the board. So I call it the false start fiasco, but we can call it a false start frenzy. We'll, we'll, I'll accept that 
because I'm grading papers. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Well, I got to run, but I've enjoyed our time together as always. It's very therapeutic. Thank you, Mad Dog. You're having a great show. Thanks for joining. Thank go, you. dogs. See you next week. Go, go dogs. dogs. So once again, that's it. That's our show. We had our usual cast of repeat offenders, Buffalo, Dogger, Bert Hodges, Dr. Snetzer. We had our special guest that I'd like to thank too, which was Adam Cochran, one of our sponsors with ASP. And then our very special guest, Cassidy Pearson, who joins us, who has her own podcast, was part of the inspiration for this one. Her podcast is called Any Given Saturday, and I hope you check it out. And I hope that the dogs win this weekend. And I hope that you get to go HBTFD. The Mad Dog Show is proudly sponsored by The Samford Company, Dogbone.net, Bulldog Illustrated, Classic City Collective, The Park Group Marketing and Media, Bib Distributing, Sellers Construction, Ventures Barbecue, Go Clean Co., Jay Lee, Attorney at Law, Pelicano Construction, Jag's Pizzeria, Making Monogramming, Ortho Georgia, Cherokee Brick, Progressive Communications, Butler Auto Group, ASP, Ward Mini Storage, Walthall Oil Company, Beach Services, Willingham Sash and Door, and Grenford Chiropractic.